Welcome to Weekly Neurosis. episode yeah we're gonna fight me and you just straight up nope in industries <laughs> mean mugging it well, welcome into again the conflict episode our movie of the week this week is the batman versus superman film the dawn of justice mm. forgot the the post it was my obsession last week remember it was it yeah. was and now it's your reality yeah now we can talk about now it we can talk all about it and our album of the week is aman amarth jumps viking Jums Viking. Jums Viking. That's J-O-M-S and then the word Viking. One word. One word. Yes. Und. And then our beer of the week this week is Bedlam from Ale Asylum. Uh-huh. My hometown brewery, one of many in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is actually a Belgian-style IPA, uh, but it's a chaotic blend of citra hops and Belgian yeast <laughs> that give this IPA aromas of summer and fruits and a bright hop presence with a plush finish. Yeah. That's a badass description. Ooh. Like how I instantly go to pour it over my computer. Yes. That's Bedlam right there. Right. Yeah, this ties into both things in conflict. So. Bedlam, I think of, you know, old style Viking people living in huts, killing each other with axes and blunt orna- uh, instruments. Ornaments. Ornaments. Take it off the tree. No. <laughs> no, that's what I think of too. I think of like a, a like wild Holy West. monkey. Yeah. It smells like candy. This is a weird, really, I've had this once before at their brewery, and it was, I did not like the taste at first. It seriously smells like a candy, like a fruit roll-up or like Skittles or something. What was it like? Is it good? It's pretty smooth. It doesn't go with the smell. Really? Okay. Awkward silence while we both... Awkward silence. I'm going to sing you a song. I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah, it's not as sweet as it smells. No, but this, um, yeah, this is from... Ale Asylum Brewery, which is like a tiny little microbrewery when I was getting brought up, and now they're a big, pretty good-sized brewery. It's like, I you know, I only had one sip, but it's stunningly kind of one note for mm-hmm. all the stuff that's in it. And that's why I think the taste, when I first had it, was a little bit odd to me because of the, the combination of smell and taste, but uh-huh. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got like Belgian this crazy style. sweet smell. Well, I guess that does make sense with the Belgian style. If they're going for sweeter, but I get more of kind of a, even with it called an IPA, it's almost... I don't get, I know, because I'm a big hop head, and I don't get citra from this at all. I know that's like a major... That's like the main, that's like when in terms of the hops, that's like the only flavor I do get with hops, is the citrusy hops. 
And then it's, but it's super, like you said, it's super clean. It doesn't, it doesn't have much of an but after flavor. No citra hops, but they like. Is that what is that? What's the difference? That's a type of hop. Like, well, I mean, is it related to citrus? Like, I don't think so. I mean, it sounds like it is, Nate. Sort of, <laughs> but no, it's no, it, it's usually very distinctive, and it's very. Like, I feel like you get the smell, and it kind of brings you up, and then you just fall flat with the taste. I mean, it's not bad. It's but not it, bad, it's though. It's really... I love the color. Yeah, it looks really nice. It's like Very... a... It's a cloudy, clearly an unfiltered, kind of a copper color. It's kind of good. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's not bad, but it, it actually... it's It tastes surprisingly, like, basic. Yeah. For when everything you, that they're the putting in it. But it's good. It's ref it's actually refreshing. This could be dangerous, because you said it's like 7... 7.4 alcohol by volume, so by no means... Uh... I mean, you could I could pound these because it's not like overpowering in its flavor, and that would be a, a mistake probably. <laughs> Bad but, news. But you know. Yeah. What are you gonna do? And brewed and bottled in Madison, Wisconsin. Their their tagline I think is funny. It's fermented insanity because they're ale asylum. I get it. That's funny. Good copy. <laughs> but again, uh, conflict is the theme, so we'll go through the definition. Now it's a noun. It's a serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one, and also can be incompatible or at variance, semicolon, clash. What does conflict mean to you? I mean, that pretty much sums it up, I guess, two, not necessarily two, but different sides with opposing views or ideologies, you know, conflicting against each other. I guess when I think of conflict, I think of like a literal of violent conflict, I okay. guess. Uh, but I suppose it can be, you know, more than that as well. But, uh, yeah, disagreements that results in some sort of action against the other group or one trying to overdo the other in some way. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to me. And I'm kind of, I guess I'm in the same boat. And also, though, I think people often miss that conflict can be a good thing. Because you can sure. come, you can go through, and if you think about it, like a relationship is a good example Conflict's pretty present a lot, but you come out of it and it makes you stronger. It should, at least. Oh, yeah, hopefully, right? Fingers crossed. Oh, yeah, that's the point. That's a good but no, point. But it's, no, it's, it's, it's something that can kind of, you know, it can be a good thing. Well, it's like, and also I think of in history some, some I guess, smaller quote-unquote wars are sometimes referred to as conflicts. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that was like the first thing that came to my head, and I guess... When we were talking about Batman versus Superman, I mean, the first thing that came to my head, obviously, is there's a conflict between these these two very powerful forces. Mm -hmm. And same with the the album, the Jums Viking, which is all about it's all about war, battle, and yeah. it's like, yeah, we'll talk about it. But cool, cool. It's a great, pretty decent beer. Yeah, I like it. It's good. So. But on to our high priority news items. The upcoming film list, and a few of these might make it onto the the podcast. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's a pretty big uh, splash coming out in the box office. Um, April eighth is going to be a big one with Hardcore Henry, which is not a found footage film. I keep people hearing people referring to it as that. Yeah, it's just like a first person shooter, but you're in a movie. It's like a, yeah, it's just told from the guy's first person. And I, it, the trailer makes it look like he's some sort of cyborg. So maybe mm -hmm. he's <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> maybe he's recording it or something. Yeah. So maybe it kind of is found footage, but I kind of take issue with the whole label of found footage anyway. Yeah. But that's a conversation for a different day. Different day. But yeah, that looks pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And The Invitation is another horror film that's going to be due out on April 8th. Uh, the Jungle Book and Colonia come yeah. out on the 15th, which Colonia kind of interests me. I actually don't know what that is. Yeah, I saw a trailer for it. What is it? 
I don't quite remember. I think it's like a horror-ish film. Okay. I'm Googling it. We're going to do... We're going to get some deets on here. Some awesome. deets. And Let's The Jungle see. Book is the iconic. It's directed by oh, John It's got Favreau. Emma Watson in it. How very exciting. It's got Emma Watson, Daniel Bruhl, and Mikhail Nyqvist. All actors I'm aware of. And it's directed by uh, one Florian Gallup. Gallenberger. That is a great name, Florian. Yeah, apparently he won an Oscar for a short film. But, uh, that could be cool. Yeah. Those two are due out for a major release. And then, of course, on April 22nd, The Huntsman, Winter's War. And that's like a sequel to the Snow White movie, right? Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. And then I found out that there's 56 other films that are going to debut for apparently <laughs> wide release in April. Found a source for that. Crazy. So 56 other films. So 60 films, 61 films. Yeah, I make a li I have a like a Google Doc list of all the movies in 2016 I want to see, and I'm certainly it gets longer every week because yeah. I can only really because I don't just watch new movies. You yeah. know, there's a whole world of older movies stretching over a hundred years, and I like to see those too and rewatch things. So 56 movies in one month, and that's just a, a semi-wide release. Mm -hmm. Think of how many movies actually get released every month yeah. worldwide. And a lot of them go, this is theaters, yeah. so then you think about the DVD world Crazy. and realm. Amazing. Lots of films getting made. And then, of course, uh, Record Store Day is coming up on April 16th. And what what is Record Store Day? Um, Record Store Day is it's I don't remember when it started. It's an it's a it's a semi newer I believe a new an, at least in terms of it being as big as it is now. It's a newer phenomenon where it's usually I think it's like the second or third weekend Saturday in April is what it normally is, mm -hmm. and it's just kind of a day to celebrate your local record businesses. And what the draw of it is is a lot of bands, some bigger, some uh, lesser known, they put out exclusive releases. Mainly on vinyl, which is, I mean, obviously vinyl has made a big comeback in recent years, so that's kind of the draw here. Um, and they're like these specialty reviews that could be um, re-releases of classic albums or, you know, something special the band records just for, you know, this event. But it's just a, an extra incentive to get out there and go to your local record store and maybe pick something up, uh, something you will, will never be able to get elsewhere. Uh, so that's really what it is. Yeah. Well, kind of, it's kind of like um, small business day. Right. Sort of, you know, like they have that and you go to local small business. And... But the, the issue that's been happening with Record Store Day recently, which is why I don't actually participate in it, is that the vinyl market is getting so big now that it's, you know, and I'm going to sound like a total tool, but it's getting very commercialized mm. in terms of, uh, you know, they pick a really big name celebrity. Like this year, the Metallica is the ambassador. Last year it was Dave Grohl, so they pick. Yeah, you know, I have nothing against the. I mean, that's. I mean, they're both fantastic acts, and mm -hmm. Jack White was one in the past. He's one of my favorites, but they basically endorse, and they're they're somehow in control of this. And what's really been happening now is that, like I said, records have made this big comeback. Is that these exclusive releases are being seen as being worth a lot of money so what you get is a lot of people showing up and waiting in line who have no interest in the records they just want to buy them and sell them on ebay for twice the yeah. price so unless you're showing up first thing in the morning waiting in line you're probably not going to get what you want and there's really nothing that can be done about that sort of thing not saying that it's all that but there's a lot of that and i think that's kind of a bummer um 
but you know, I digress. I think record store data is a great thing, and I'm you know, as a record collector, I think it's well. It means good for those. I mean, that was essentially a dying business in a way oh, for yeah. a while, and then it now it's starting to come back on the incline, which is good. Oh yeah, it's amazing, and you know, around us, our the local chain of record store is exclusive company, and um, they. I've been going there since I was a lot younger. I mean, really, since I was, uh, you know, before I was a teenager even. And uh, seeing how they've evolved, they used to sell a lot of movies, and primarily it was CDs. But now, I mean, the record section is almost as big as their CD section, and their used record selection, it doubles that, and they don't hardly sell any movies anymore. It's just been fascinating watching, you know, that Mm -hmm. industry kind of ebb and flow, and it's... At this point, where I, I, I think it's kind of foolish for companies to deny that vinyls, I think it's here to stay. Yeah, it may not be, you know, it'll never be the number one uh, format again by any means, but uh, it's here to stay. And uh, yeah, so go out if you're a record collector. Of course, you're going to go to Record Store Day. Yeah, and some pretty cool stuff. Um, Third Man Records, they're going to have an exclusive offering mm-hmm. of the uh, Peel Sessions. For the White Stripes, um, John Peel's famous uh, BBC show. Mm-hmm. They recorded there twice, apparently, and yet it's going to be available at Record Store Day. And is there an online? Mm-mm. It's all exclusive. You have to go to the stores. That's the idea. Well, in last year, it was either last year or the year before, the, the White Stripes <clears throat> released their album, Get Behind Me Satan, which up to that point, it had never been commercially released on record store, or I'm sorry, on vinyl. It was only available on CD, and there was like 500 promo copies that were selling for like $1,000 a piece. Jesus. Uh, but their record store day release last year was they did like a special white and red pressing of it to go inside, you know, to coincide with the band's color scheme and all that. And then after that, they released it wide. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Third Man Records is doing something White Stripes related. That's probably a huge draw for a lot of people. Well, that's like their thing too, is vinyl. Mm-hmm. Jack, yeah, Jack White. Jack mm-hmm. You know, he has like a whole wall of, it's like a sixty thousand dollar wall of these vinyl players that he uses yeah. periodically. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah, but, all these um, weird like one-off things that never caught on, and like these oddly sized records that never became a standard format, mm-hmm. and pretty bizarre. Some of the stuff that guy's got. <laughs> yeah. But he's got it. So again, this is the conflict episode. Coming up next, we're going to review Batman vs. Superman, The Dawn of Justice, the controversial film. And we'll cover that in the review for the first time. Um, And then in the breaks, you're going to be hearing music from our album of the week, Amon Amarth, Jums Viking. Jums Viking. Jums Viking. I was going to say it super fast. And we're sipping on Bedlam from Ale Asylum. This is the conflict episode, Weekly Neurosis. We'll be right back. Left our ranks, our wise and noble man. We owe him loyalty and thanks. He ruled with a steady hand. He will be missed by all. His heart has now been stilled. Tonight he'll dine in Odin's hall. There he'll drink his fare. 
Also und Superman versus Batman. Das! <lacht> welcome, welcome back in to Weekly Neuros. This is the conflict episode, and our conflict movie of the week is Batman versus Superman, The Dawn of Justice. I hope we didn't offend any German individuals. Anybody who's of German descent or from Germany, it was a joke. It was a joke. I'm half German, so, you know. Word. Anyways, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Batman versus Superman. The plot is, fearing the actions of Superman are left unchecked, Batman takes on the Man of Steel, while the world wrestles with what kind of hero it really needs. The cast consists of, of course, all-star cast, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Jesse Eisenberg, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeremy Irons, Holly Hunter, and Gal Gadot. Boom. Uh, the, boom. The crew consists of Zack Snyder, uh, who was directed it, who previously directed Man of Steel. I uh, was produced by Charles Roven and Deborah Snyder, written by Chris Terrio and David S. Goyer. Music by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL, weird combination, and cinematography by Larry Fong. And the characters were, of course, originally created by DC Comics. Uh, the filming locales, it was shot in several different cities, including Los Angeles, California, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Downtown scenes, actually. Okay. Uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, East Lansing, Michigan, Yorkville, Illinois, and New Mexico. And the opening scene of the movie was filmed using IMAX cameras. Ooh la la. Uh, the, film, the filming of scenes were originally planned for Morocco. However, it uh, shifted to New Mexico due to the 2014 Ebola outbreak in Africa. Mm-hmm. And also, Hans Zimmer signed on but only scored music tied to Superman with XL Junkie doing the music for Batman. Mm-hmm. Ethan, this very controversial movie, what would you think? Well, I mean, I I guess to lead into it, I in general I enjoy Zack Snyder's director. I enjoy Three Hundred and Watchmen greatly. I liked Man of Steel a lot. His Dawn of the Dead remake was solid. Um, and in general, I'm a big Batman fan, and I think there's a lot of questions going into this. Um, and last week I had mentioned that I was pumped to see this. And got to be totally honest, I'm I'm pretty mixed on this movie. I think I'm. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. There are some things about this movie that I really like, and some things about this movie I'm either indifferent to, or there's a couple elements I really, really didn't uh, care for, but I think we'll both break down our likes and dislikes uh, as we talk here. But what did you think? Well, I thought it was visually stunning, mm-hmm. which it was, but at the same time, it, like, it, it missed a lot of stuff. In terms of the, the, I mean, overall, I liked it. I don't think it, and we'll get into it, deserved the, like, scathing reviews it got. Okay. But, you know, I was I was really confused the way that it started, why they bring up stuff that had already been done, and it just, the flow of it was kind of odd, but... What do you mean by that? Like, what were confused well, you? The Wayne, well, I can't, I can't no, spoil it. That's not a spoil. I mean, well, that's that... not a spoil. They, mur- they murdered the Wayne family for, yeah, like, that's the fifth knowledge. time, but... Right, well, and actually... I liked that they got it out of the way right away. Okay. I actually appreciated that the, instead of doing... Because it's an up and a down. Because the downside was, I think, instead of just bringing Batman into this movie, they should have had his own standalone movie before, which would have cleared up a lot of kind of the first hour of this movie, which was like what you said. It was just kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And there was all these elements brought up, and it would just jump scene to scene, and it was kind of confusing. So I think it would have been more coherent... But I also appreciate that we've seen 
Batman's origin like a hundred times already. We mm-hmm. don't really need to see it again. So I kind of like that they got it out of the way right away. Right. So like seriously, the first ten minutes of this movie, I was like, oh my god, this is uh, this is going to be amazing. But it, for me, it really went downhill fast and then went uphill again towards the end of the movie. When it was very confusing in the middle of the film, like mm-hmm. there were several points that I. Quite honestly, even sitting there very intently watching it, I had, like, no clue what was, like, where were you going with it? Are you, you know, is this real? Is it fake? Is it, well, you know, what are, what are you trying to go at? Like, without spoiling anything, there's lots of dream sequences. And it's, they don't really, I mean, they lay it, how do they I make a po- They make a point in the movie, but... One, one in particular goes on way too long and gives mm-hmm. you zero context. So I think maybe if you're a huge fan of the comic books, which I'll, I'll put the, the the flag out right here, I am by no means a purist or comic book reader. I read a lot of comics, but I stay away from the superhero stuff because there's just too many of them and it confuses me. So I, I'm not a professional in this stuff, and I think if you are, if you know a lot of stuff about the DC Universe and Batman and Superman, I think this is going to make more sense to you with how they bring other characters into it without really any explanation and i think maybe some of the the kind of odd non sequitur scenes in this movie which i think were visually amazing mm-hmm. but they were difficult to follow and i yeah. think uh they might make sense to some people but to yeah me and it sounds like you as well some of that stuff was kind of lost on me yeah and i, I didn't I, to, for these films you know any superhero film i feel that they do kind of have a duty to appeal to the person that's not a comic book fan or even you know, a step further than that really doesn't know the story in depth mm-hmm. and there was a lot of stuff in this film especially in the middle section that you had to have that knowledge yeah big time and if you didn't have it and i don't I, i'm like a step back from you even i don't even really i know the difference between dc and marvel but i can't mm-hmm. i couldn't really trace the steps that they were laying out Right, and I sort and I I mostly agree, but I don't necessarily think a movie like this has the duty to lay it out mm. for you. But it should at least portray it in a way. If they're going to bring up an element that's clearly feeding onto something that's going to happen in a subsequent movie, instead of just dropping it, so all the fans are like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" They need to have the people who don't know anything about it be like, "Wow, what what was that? That's really interesting." But when they were dropping those things for me, I was like, "What?" I, 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 it did, I mean, I, I didn't dislike this movie enough that I'm not excited for the next one. Um, but I, I just, I, I, exact, I was confused by a lot of mm-hmm. this, and it didn't really lay the, the groundwork for it. And I think there were some other negative elements I liked. But I don't want to be all negative either, because there was stuff in this movie I really liked, right. too. Like you right. said, it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it's an epic movie. In scope, there's a ton of characters, which can be good or bad, but it gives, it gives you a really big scope like you're seeing the implications of somebody like superman visiting earth and how this batman guy who's like an older version of batman and you see him how he's you know how he's sort of aged and everything that's going on well yeah my favorite thing probably of the whole film would have to be the perspective of the man of steel from the ground yeah you know i think i think they did a really good job of portraying that of what if you were a person living in metropolis you know what would that be like you right. know and it would be horrifying you know because in the man of steel you're seeing like 
spaceships flying all over the place and people fighting midair and stuff the way, yeah. breaking down all these buildings and the way they brought that back in at the beginning of this movie was very nicely done. yeah and i thought that was a really good like i call it a time in where they say sure. like you know it's sort of right years what later or, yeah but i i really like that perspective mm-hmm. of really not knowing you see this ship in the distance and and kind of sure, sure. you see it from the ground level yeah and that's what i mean how it, like for you said that, that i agree the the perspective of the, of superman from a normal human being's perspective was pretty nicely done in this but my personal favorite element in this was the batman element you know while while i do think unfortunately it's sort of diluted in this super long kind of convoluted movie mm-hmm. Ben Affleck was awesome. He plays this older, more weathered version of a character everybody knows. It shows him being the detective he needs to be. It shows him being more of an action hero, sort of this mysterious guy. Um, from what some of my more comic book savvy friends have said to me, he, he, his character is portrayed morally different here, but that's not something I'm... I, as long as it works in the movie, that's fine. And to me, those elements worked the strongest but i just don't think it all came together i was actually talking to my wife about this last night because she saw this with me Mm -hmm. and she explained it like this movie is like six different sentences that get cut in half and put together in one run-on sentence and they never put a period at the end of it good analogy and i think that's a good way to put it because there's a really good because there's so much stuff going on here and it doesn't necessarily flow coherently from one idea to the other and in the end at the end of this movie while i am still excited to see what happens next i was still sort of like okay so why did we need to go through all of these steps to get here it just seemed like a bit of an overkill Mm -hmm. and it did very much feel almost like a prequel to what they have coming next down the pike in terms of they, you know, they laid a lot of track work, but it's all going to lead to a place where you know. But yeah, it just it didn't it didn't really connect for me in terms of because and you mentioned too the way this film was made was there's some controversy around that in terms of things were getting added in last the, minute. The studio wanted it to be more of a. From what I understand, this could be all wrong, but yeah, the studio wanted it to be more of a lead into a bigger picture. Which is where I feel like some of these elements, why it was maybe confusing was because they were trying to paint with broad strokes when a, a sequel to Man of Steel maybe should have been a bit more focused. Mm-hmm. Because I do agree, you you started your review saying like overall you had a good time with this. I agree, like this was... just fun. On a, yeah, exactly. On a base level, I was entertained. The Especially the last like 45 minutes of this movie are spectacular. Mm-hmm. I mean, the action in this movie is incredible. Ben Affleck was good. I don't mind Henry Cavill. As a Superman, yeah, I mean, it's it, that's a good way to put it. Is it it's a spectacular-looking movie yeah. that just doesn't necessarily come together. Yeah, and I, I like Ben Affleck as as Batman because oh, I yeah. think, it, it, when you think about it, Superman's immortal, essentially. Yeah, sure. Supposedly, but, you know, it's... he, he Essentially, Batman eventually, at some point, has to rely on mm. other things other than this brute strength. So it's kind of a good transition from Christian Bale, I thought. In terms of the character yeah. that they developed, but they never really connected the dots with him. I mean, this is a long movie. There's a lot of stuff going Re- into it. This is a really long movie for like a blockbuster film. Granted, they usually are, but I kept like when I was watching it, I was like, I feel like I've been here for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah, it was a really long movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I guess in terms of before we give our ratings or anything, I j- this was just a movie that I. 
in terms of comic book movies, again, I'm not a professional on the superhero stuff. I do read comics, but I, I stay away from the superhero stuff. Of all the comic book superhero movies I've seen, this is kind of in the middle mm-hmm. for me because I've seen worse, but I've definitely seen a lot better. And I, I just think that um, as a, as kind of a sit back and watch and have fun with, you could do a lot worse than this. This yeah. was fun. But as a movie, I really want to sit down and watch. It's too long. Yeah. Um, the, a lot of the, as spectacular as the action is, it's maybe a little bit too spaced out. And and if if people are super into the the, the characters and stuff, like I, I guarantee there's people who love this movie, and I can see that. I can absolutely see how people who are really into these characters love this movie. But just for me, sort of like real mixed on this. Mm-hmm. And I was I was fifty fifty too. I mean, there were a lot of elements that I like, but this. In theaters, it's entertaining to watch. I think at home, if you got it on Blu-ray, dark, if it's dark outside, it's going to be beautiful to watch. Yeah, it would be one. And I saw it in 3D. I did too. You did? Yeah, yeah. it was pretty good in 3D, especially the, the, the actually the, the opening sequence. Yeah. Like uh, in the credits and everything where uh, it was amazing in 3D. Um, uh, so, I, I mean, I, I personally enjoy 3D, so that yeah. didn't bother me. I, I liked that. And yeah, this is one, you know, and... Maybe when I give my rating, maybe we should give our ratings. Can I give my rating? Go for it. Okay, I'm gonna give this Rip movie and a, run. A, a, I'm gonna give it a five point five out of ten. Ooh. So okay, and I know, that, you know, a fifty percent on a paper is an F, but mm-hmm. I think I've explained this before, and I'll say it again. When I give a movie a five out of ten, for me is totally, totally in the middle. A five out of ten isn't a fail for me. It's like a fifty-fifty. It's like I liked half of it, I didn't like half of it, and I would say for th- this just had a little bit of an edge where I enjoyed it. I think there were things in it I liked. I do think that this movie has potential to be better with more viewings because we both mentioned that it's confusing, it's convoluted for people who don't, aren't familiar with this material. I think maybe watching this again will be uh, beneficial in terms of understanding it. So mm-hmm. I give it the benefit of the doubt. I, 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 I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. So I'm going to give it a 5.5. 5. How about you? I'm going to give it an even 7. Oh, wow. Okay. So I... I felt that it was good enough that it deserved that rating, but at okay. the same time, it had way too many issues in terms of the storyline for me. They didn't really lay things out from A to B to C. But again, vi- visual, I'm a big visual person. I thought it was very beautiful. Oh, yeah, dude. For Which, like- and that goes, cinematography, what's his name, Fong, that did it? Sure. I, you know, good job. Yeah, this movie really does look like cells from a comic frame or something mm-hmm. like i can see this on the on the page really well and uh, really easily rather and uh, i can see you know maybe i don't know i just i just think that this this uh, yeah i get i i i'm really fumbling my words here because if if i was in the mood for just visual spectacular this would be like a nine out of ten for me yeah but to be totally honest like i was mostly entertained by this but i was also just like totally bored and we didn't even mention Jesse Eisenberg is Le- Lex Luthor and mm-hmm. I thought he was absolutely terrible in this yeah. movie and that, that character specifically and we won't spoil anything but he I don't think he fits the bill whatsoever and I don't know much about Lex Luthor as a character and I've heard you know fans saying he doesn't fit the bill like whatever all that aside like he wasn't threatening he no. wasn't scary as a villain. He was twitchy and awkward. I just wanted to punt, like slap him and get him out of the way yeah. the whole time. And 
he just wasn't he wasn't a good villain. And yeah. I like him as an actor, so that was very disappointing and, to me. And we'll we'll kind of roll into the critical part of it because that's a big the critical response to this movie, which yes. is a big part of what's going on. But when you think of Christopher Nolan's <laughs> Batman series, they have these very dominant you know, villains. When you think of the Joker and Bane and all, all these, you know, there's a progression of it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to him. I think that's a big part of the disconnect in terms of, of why people are reacting so, so negatively to this film. But yeah, I can see that. But I guess my, that didn't, isn't what bothered me as much as I just thought it was a weak performance. Because mm-hmm. I felt like this for, this movie versus the Dark Knight trilogy, it was so much more comic booky in air quotes and sort of it wasn't as ser- even though it was a very serious and kind of violent movie it wasn't um it wasn't dead serious like the dark knight movies were so I, I i was okay with playing a character maybe as more of a joke i just thought it didn't work like i wasn't threatened by this dude and like you said people like the joker and bane in the dark knight movies mm-hmm. i mean those are like iconic movie villains now they're becoming especially the joker is becoming like an icon of film history and yeah, compared to this, no. It's way. no, because he's not. You don't feel that anyone could be threatened by him individually. I don't care if he's got an army of thugs. You know, the Joker was personally, you know, cutting people. And then you look at Bane. Bane was extremely threatening. But to he, this, they, this guy, they, yeah, they tried to make Lex Luthor more like a Joker type character, where he's he's not, he's not only kind of creepy and weird, but he's like so smart that he can orchestrate this huge thing and it just never came together it just never never, never worked out but then then again though we've said before that you know they're trying to develop this movie for future movies maybe they'll develop him into that but yeah maybe because honestly the way they left his character was kind of where i was starting to get on board with it yeah because i i were, were they and without spoiling anything the way they left like left luke lex luther in this i was like okay so maybe all of this was just sort of a preamble for what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I, actually, that's I think that's very true because yeah, can't spoil it, but I think that's yeah the way they progress into it right at the end. Well, and that's why, like I said, while I wasn't super crazy about this movie, I wasn't. It's, it didn't kill the DC universe for me or anything. No. I'm I, I'm still pumped for Suicide Squad. That looks awesome. And whatever the sequel is to this. I'm there too because I didn't dislike this so much that I think they did a disservice to any of these characters except for maybe Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like this particular story didn't come together. But what they did with the individual characters was all a win to me, except for Lex Luthor because mm-hmm. we didn't talk about Wonder Woman uh, either, and she was pretty awesome. Gal Gadot, yeah, yep, she was great very too. well. And they also developed, began to develop a lot of other things as well, and those are now. Again, with the reviews, characters of controversy. Yeah, it's just a tough movie to criticize too much because while I don't personally think that the movie comes together as a coherent work, I'm still very excited to see where it goes from here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, brave new world. But the reviews for this film, and just to give a comparison, and I should change this: the rating from fans was a seven point four, and they have a ten point rating scale. On IMDb, and Metacritic currently has it at a low 44 out of 100, which is actually mixed. Yes. Technically. That's like what I said. My 5 out of 10 is mixed. Very mixed. Metacritic does the same thing. Yep. So, 
there's this there the journalists are trying to paint a disconnect between fans and critics for this film. Yeah. But and I don't really think there's too much of a disconnect because I think fans are pretty mixed on this too. Right, and I think not and not just fans. I think general audiences aren't walking. I think most people I've talked to have enjoyed the movie but haven't loved it. Mm. It wasn't like when The Dark Knight came out that was a universally praised film. Uh, this is one where yeah, on on Rotten Tomatoes, which we can kind of talk about the politics there. It has a twenty nine percent, which you know on paper looks like it's a miserable piece of trash, which I don't think it is. Um, but yeah, in in general, it's kind of like what did you say, seven point four on IMDb. Yeah. So this is sort of a case where there appears to be more of a disconnect between critics and audiences on this movie. But some f- f- like people who love this movie are claiming there's like a conspiracy because every Marvel film appears to get very high ratings or, or moderately high ratings. But Marvel has always struggled. I, I, I not not even always because the last three Batman movies were all praised. I guess I don't really understand because I feel like even looking at Rotten Tomatoes, there's nothing overly surprising here. No, me. there's really not. I mean, it, really, the critic reviews, and I'll just quote a few things here. Is those are the real shocking part because they rated them so low. These like major figureheads, A.O. Scott of New York Times, he wrote, "It's about as diverting as having a porcelain sink over your head." Uh, Joshua Rothkoff, again of New York Times, said that if there's any justice at the multiplex, audiences will reject Zack Snyder's lumbering, dead-on-arrival superhero melange, a $250 tombstone for a genre that is in dire need of a break. And then Robbie Collins of The Telegraph said, no major blockbuster in years has this incoherently structured and seemingly uninterested in a telling story with clarity and purpose. And um, he also then went on to say this movie didn't really have a heart. And then uh, Kevin Smith blasted it as well on his podcast. So it's a lot of... He's buddies with Ben Affleck, too. Yeah, and that's, 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 that, that to me is kind of shocking. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you can look at some of those reviews and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally lose uh, faith in critics who, who seem to be... That sort of pointed against it because I think you really need to when you when you're critiquing a movie and I hope me and you, I think me and you do this all right when we talk about a movie we're pretty good at saying what we thought about the movie and why we thought about it mm. I'm not gonna sit here just because I didn't love this movie I'm not gonna call Zack Snyder a piece of crap I'm not gonna call it this this dead on arrival this mess and there's no merit to it all it's like that's being very short sighted and I think. You have to keep in mind that these characters are beloved to people. Yeah. And I think if you're less interested in the genre, to paint to paint a portrait as black and white as this genre is tired and needs a break, I think you're sort of showing how disconnected you are from audiences. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think well, that's kind of a shame. That's the thing. I think that the critics, first off, have 24 hours really to react to this. Which, right. You know, that's tough to do. But... Yeah, I, I just think there this this paints the the portrait of that you cannot really trust critics. No, but but also at the same time, I think yeah. I, first of all, you should your own opinion is the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. What me and Nate, what Nate or myself says, or any of these critics say, is secondary to what you think. Mm-hmm. We're just here to talk, have some good discussion, and hopefully we're entertaining along Indeed. the way. But, but this movie. Again, let's go back to the Rotten Tomatoes thing, and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. How this movie has a twenty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 
I think the inherent... Well, too many people take Rotten Tomatoes' score. Really? Because seriously. everybody wants to have their opinions validated. Yeah. I love this movie. Oh, look, critics loved it too. That means it's good. I hated this movie. Oh, look, critics hated it too. I'm right. People like that validation. And I think the, the people don't take seriously... Or don't understand the inherent flaw with Rotten Tomatoes. Right? And we talked about mm-hmm. this. How Rotten Tomatoes ultimately has to take a review and decide whether it's positive or negative. And sometimes that's easy... But what if they give it, like me, I, my review is right down the middle. Rotten Tomatoes would have to say positive or negative. And I think, in general, for this movie, crit- critics were more mixed on it. Very much. I think it was 51 total reviews that are of the more prominent critics. I think 10 were positive, 31 were uh, mixed, and then I think 10 yeah. were negative. But but one thing everybody should look at on Rotten Tomatoes isn't just the percentage, it's the average rating. Yeah. And this movie's average rating is 5 out of 10. Which to me signifies the movie received mixed reviews. I guess what I'm getting at here is that I think that if you really love this movie, instead of blaming critics or that they're wrong or anything, is just take a step back, take a deep breath, and be like, I liked this movie, and that's all that matters. And this movie, and we'll talk about box office later, is making stupid huge amounts of money, so we're going to see more of these. Uh, And it's just, you know, people, like I said, they need to be validated. Yeah. And I think, too, the expectation on this movie kind of played into its, you know, critique as well. Because a lot was expected out of this film, especially from a comic book standpoint. And I think maybe that's why I'm a little disappointed at now. Because I guarantee the next time I see this movie, I like it more. It just feels like the kind of movie that the Mm -hmm. more I watch it, the more I like it. Yeah. And I'll I'll be real frank. (laughs) I think that dog-shitting Henry Cavill is just knock it off. I think he's a wonderful Superman. I think he's a good... Yeah. I think he fits the bill. People really hate on him, and I think he's just fine. I, I think Superman in general is sort of a... I, I, I'm going to say bland character, but I don't mm. mean that in a bad way. He is a very... He is a, he's, he's sort of like the... This is totally wrong, but he's like an all-American kind of guy, right? Like yeah. He's like this perfect thing. And Henry Cavill is like perfect. And the way he plays it off is this sort of like higher intelligence indifference... And I think a lot of people, th- you know, see that as this bland one-note performance. And I think he's fine in the role. I, I, I like I, him. I actually went from watching this film on Sunday. I watched it, and I came directly home, and there was actually an AMC Superman marathon. And I watched the old school. Like Christopher Reeves? Yeah, Christopher Reeves. It was his films. And he was, to me, I think Henry Cavill is even just slightly more emotional like than him in terms Ooh, of his man. like facial. You're, you're gonna get some haters. <laughs> but he, the thing is, is he? I don't know. It's like the same bill. He's supposed to be this kind of vanilla character that yeah is from a different world, but he's, they, they pay, he doesn't know how to act and he's yeah. kind of confused. They spend all this time and what's so funny about us? They spend all the time in this movie talking about how whether Superman is good or bad. But Superman himself, he's kind of he doesn't really care that much. He's kind of mm-hmm. got his mind made up, and he's more confused as to why people don't accept him. Yeah, and he kind of just. Because he could, like Batman points out in this movie, he could kill them all right away if he wanted. But he didn't. So that alone says something. Yeah. And yeah, I think Henry Cavill, he certainly looks the part. Yeah. Uh, he's like the perfect male figure type guy. He's got like the chin and everything. The he chiseled could, yeah, yeah, chin yeah. dimple and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, he's fine. And again, I don't want to get haters. I think Christopher Reeves is a wonderful... I just... <laughs> it, the part is not supposed to be this super, like... Well, it's supposed Over to be Super top. Nate. It's because he's Superman. Yeah. Highest ever selling comic was Superman. I bet. Action Comics number one. Yeah. 
So on to our uh, weekly segment by the numbers where we go through the top five grossing movies in America and the occasional flops that do occur in modern cinema. Yes, sir. So why don't you start it off? Number five. Okay. Number five this week is the Divergent series Allegiant, which made a weekend gross of $9.4 million, with a total of $46.5 million on a budget of $110 million. So this is only its second week... And it's dropped off. And I actually heard that they cut the budget in half for the final movie. Good. Well, I don't want to Just say kidding. <laughs> Because, I mean, they can see that the, the returns are diminishing here. So, uh, yeah, not doing so hot. Well, it's kind of like it's it's a dead... I, mean, I don't want to say it's a dead genre necessarily, but it's a genre that's declining. Young adult. Steadily. Absolutely it is. <laughs> uh, number four is Miracles from Heaven. Uh, grossed 9.6, almost 9.7 million dollars. Uh, in total, it's grossed 34 million dollars on a 13 million dollar budget. It's only in the second week. It's doing good. It is. It is. All right. And a new release at number three, My Big Fat Greek Wedding Two, made a total of 17.8 million this weekend uh, on a budget of 18 million. So that'll make its money back. I believe the first one was like a gigantic. Yeah. Like sleeper hit. I don't think this is going to make the that money is, that this, did. My big fat Greek wedding, the first one, is my father-in-law's favorite movie. I asked him if you had to rate your top five movies. He's number one. Number one movie. I, I actually, I, I'll be honest, when this one, my big fat Greek wedding, the first one came out, I, it was a movie I watched quite a bit with, with my parents. Mm-hmm. It's I, a good, I thought it's centered. I thought, I thought, and actually, while this movie got bad reviews, it looks fun. I do yeah. want to see it. I'm not going to see it in theaters, but I am excited to see it. Because mm-hmm. I, I did like the first one, too. Might as well. And number two, uh, last week was number one, Zootopia grossed $24 million. It's done a total of $241 million on a $150 million budget in its fourth week. It's doing very well. Boom. But you predicted it. It's going to drop off to number two for number one. Number one, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice made a pretty enormous $166 million over the weekend uh, on a budget of $250 million. But uh, it... I mean that's a big number and the budget is huge, but if you look worldwide, this thing already made like seven hundred million or some ridiculous yeah. amount. I mean it's made a, 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 a this might even beat Star Wars: The Force Awakens for fastest to a billion. It might happen because mm-hmm. internationally this is a big hit. Mm-hmm. This I bet this is going to be a bigger hit in China than The Force Awakens was because Batman's a more recognizable that's figure true, that's than true. Star Wars is because they don't really give a shit about. Star Wars over in China. So, yeah, I mean, and I feel like maybe I was a little hard on the movie because I did like it overall. Okay, we're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> That's a conversation for another day. Dang no, it. but it's, yeah, big hit, big release, Holy a lot monkey. of marketing. And I think I think it'll be interesting to see if it dips off a lot because of the negative or mixed reception from critics and audiences. We'll see. There's really nothing coming out this week, though, that would be positioned to take it down, and I think that was strategic. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, a lot of people are going to be curious about it. Yeah, you know what? And I'm actually tinkering with the idea of seeing it again. I really might go see this again in theaters. Yeah. It's an excellent movie to see in 3D. Oh, yeah. I liked it in 3D a lot. I thought yeah. it was very impressive. So that's the by the numbers section yeah. of Weekly Neurosis. And when we come back, we're going to review our album of the week. Is that how you Jones say Viking. it? I Jones like Viking. Make, I feel the like band is Amon Amarth. Amon Amarth. And the album is Jones Viking. Jones Viking. Jones Viking. Jones Viking. <laughs>
But it's, uh, yeah, we'll review that coming up next, and you'll hear that in the break. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have some, maybe maybe we'll throw some movie news in the music section, just yeah. to mix it up. We'll see. We'll see. Weekly Neurosis, we'll be right back. Neurosis, and now it's time for our album of the week. This week, we're going to review Amon Amarth, Drums Viking. Ethan, take it away. Yes, okay, so Amon Amarth, uh, this is their 10th studio album, Drums Viking. Uh, they are a Swedish melodic death metal band. This is the band's first concept album since the group originally formed in 1992. Uh, the band originated in a city called Tumba, Sweden, and their name is a reference to a mountain. Oh, I'm sorry, for the Sindarin name for Mount Dune in J.R. Tolkien's uh, Middle-earth lore, of course, mm. for all you Lord of the Rings fans out there. Uh, it was mixed and produced by Andy Sneed. The guest vocals heard in uh, the song A Dream That Cannot Be are from Germanic singer Doro Pesh, who is a female. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess a little bit of background on this band. They've obviously been around for a long time. They're a melodic death metal band, so mm. if melody and death metal sound like they belong together, this might be something you're into. Uh, but uh, this is the first time they've re- recorded a concept album, which, uh, again, uh, fits in with our conflict theme this week because it's basically... How can you describe this? How It's, it's about... I mean, it has a story. Yeah. And actually, let me read it to you. The vocalist of the band describes the concept of the album where the Jamas Viking in their world is the background for the story of a young man that is in love with a girl, but unfortunately she's been married off. He accidentally kills a man when this happens, and he has to flee, but he swears to have revenge and win her back. He can't let go of the past. He feels like he's been wronged and his life has been destroyed. The way the story evolves is not a happy story. So there is actually a pretty linear story you can follow if you're able to decipher the growly death metal lyrics in this album but nate what did you think about this well i actually liked the storyline okay i thought it was very interesting but i think what i liked the most about it is that the vocals are very gritty and they're very distinctive Mm -hmm. but they're distinctive because they're very upfront. sure like you hear what he's roughly saying it's very hard obviously to determine but yeah, overall, I thought this was a was a, a really great album, primarily because the storyline actually is a storyline. It's not like you have to kind of... There's certain songs that may connect the dots, but they follow a, a distinct path. Oh, yeah, I mean, album. it's straight front to back, yeah. really. And, yeah, and, and I think... I mean, I really like this album a lot, too, and uh, I, li- I like the concept as well. And t- I agree with your kind of talk about the, the vocals on this. While they are growly, they are screams and 
know, they're sort of that typical death metal fashion, but he's a little bit easier to understand than mm -hmm. some other people are, and it is because, absolutely, in the mix for this album, they made that, I think they did that on purpose. Because yeah. if you listen to some of their other albums, it maybe isn't quite as uh, uh, easy to understand what the vocalist is saying, but here, you can follow it pretty well, and the really gr the rough style actually fits uh, with this sort of theme of these, you know, I picture these dirty... You know, Vikings who are all covered in yeah. sweat and blood and, and the cold, and he just sounds like a Viking, right? Yeah, and they're on like the sea and just these filthy and because yeah, it just it, it it really fit for me. But I was actually kind of taken aback though, even though this is their first concept album. The first four songs were like Ferrari speed in terms of just this upbeat, you know, nonstop thing, but. Um, at dawn's first light, it's very guttural. It's very, it's kind of terrifying because mm -hmm. it's like he's talking about, you know, dawn's first light. Run for your life! It's yeah. like whoa. But um, we've been on a sea of blood. I really like the bridge in that song. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that, and and I think, yeah, the, the, the I mean, the music is very fast paced. It's lots of chugging guitars and solos. Not as many solos as uh, some of their past albums or some other death metal albums but they're very strategically placed here in the song structure and pretty much every song on here is is top notch yeah and uh i mean it really gets you pumped up i've been listening to this album when i'm at the gym and picturing the lyrics and picturing this dude like battling these people and you know thinking about plotting his revenge and yeah on his boat uh and the northern sea is they is the one song in here is uh <laughs> the last song in here is called back on the northern shores um yeah i mean overall i really am into everything going on here too i do think that some people who are maybe a little bit more serious of music fans might find the concept maybe a little corny, mm -hmm. maybe find it a little bit too tongue-in-cheek, because it's super, I mean, it's super obvious storytelling, and yeah. I don't hold that against them. It's very our typical, you know, big, loud, violent kind of storytelling, but it's put in this concept album that is just super hardcore, Super metal. The the melodies are great. It's it's death metal that isn't just based on structure and tempo and everything. It's got there's choruses in these songs. There's some hooks mm -hmm. and like you said, some bridges that actually have been stuck in my head listening to this thing, yeah. which is sort of unusual for the genre. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to this a lot because I really I think, like. I this. think you need to have kind of somewhat, at least a minor twinge of appreciation for Viking metal. I know this isn't yeah. like actual Viking metal because it's kind of more concept based, but it, this is kind of the theme. Like it's you know this yeah. you know story of a quest and <clears throat> so on and so forth. Yeah, so, so I, mean, I mean some of the like the newer Viking metal or some like even pirate metal that kind of thing maybe is a bit more kind of tongue in cheek, and this takes it more seriously. But I think if you look at what they do on this album, yeah, I think. Just in general, I mean, if you're not into metal, this is not, I mean, you're not going to be into this. Yeah. But it's, I think, I like the, the the idea of putting a story to this super brutal, fast-paced, you know, death metal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I guess I don't have a lot to say about it, because I really, I've just been listening to it. I'm going to keep listening to it. It's one of my favorite albums this year so far. Oh. But I do think, I should say that um, it isn't necessarily doing anything spectacular, though. It's not... Mm -hmm you know breaking any boundaries it's not trying anything new it's not really taking many risks which might excuse me bother some people but uh i just didn't care i just i think it's fun yeah i think if anything this is the only song that kind of caught me off guard in in not such a good way was a dream that cannot be 
Because I was um, the one with the guest vocals. Yeah, with, because it kind of like popped up out of nowhere. And I, I think I like the... Not to spoil this... We can't even spoil this album. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever he, it's the one where he's starting. Well, I don't care. He, where it's the one where he's. It's the song where he basically gets back with the girl he was trying to, yeah. and she basically rejects him. Right? Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay. Well, actually, okay. Okay. There was the the one song in here that I actually am not crazy about is actually the second song in the album, Wanderer. Mm-hmm. I felt like from like the just breakneck pace of the first song, it, it was sort of Wanderer is more of a basic album, and it's got like these weird vocal interludes near the end of it where it's sort of like a narration and everything and while i liked what they were doing with the story and everything i don't don't think the song was as great but my favorite songs on here were i liked um raise your horns which was almost like a uh, I just pictured like a bunch of drunk Vikings yeah. in like a in like a beer hall, like with wooden you know cups, like all just swaying back and forth singing this ridiculous song. And then I liked um, Ed Down's First Light as well. I also liked One Thousand Burning Arrows, which is kind of the closest thing to a ballad they get on this mm-hmm. album. It's more, it's kind of a sadder song, uh, especially with kind of what happens in the song lyrically and everything. And then I really liked how the, the album ends back in the Northern Shores, which was a it's the longest song in the album as Good, well. Good, solid seven-minute song. For sure, man. Just metal, testosterone, guitar-chugging, drums, growling. Boom. Boom. Metal. Boom. What would you rate this, though, 1 to 10? Um, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10, just because, like I said, it doesn't necessarily strike me as super original or super new or anything. Uh, and there were a, a one. Uh, there was that one song I wasn't crazy about, but overall, this is a, a really solid album. I really dig it. And I'm, I'll give it a seven point five. Okay. I thought it was really, really solid, but again, a few issues with the that song, "A Dream That Cannot Be," because it kind of popped out of nowhere. Hmm. And yeah, spoken. I thought the spoken word stuff worked, but in some cases, it kind of didn't. But. It reminded me of, there's another band who they kind of went towards this more folk Viking metal sound. It was, I believe, Bathory. They released an album called uh, Hammerheart. And they released another, no, it wasn't Hammerheart. They they were, look up Bathory sometime. They're a a famous black metal band. They released a... uh, a concept album called like Blood on Ice, Blood and Fire, or something. Mm-hmm. In some of the, the the sort of spoken word interludes, reminded me of stuff from that album, which is also very narrative, very conceptual, like this one. That one's got more fantasy elements, but uh, I mean, I like that kind of stuff. I think it's entertaining. I'm big, you know, how we mentioned the band's name is taken from, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. So I think this this material is appropriate for a group like that. And I like when metal bands do that kind of thing. I just think it's fun, it's entertaining. You know, they're clearly having fun writing the songs. It isn't necessarily, you know, some Shakespearean dramatic moving masterpiece or anything, but it's just it's good stuff. Yeah. It's really good stuff. It was. Definitely recommend if you're a metal fan. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is no, well, it might be kind of somewhat introductory. Compared to their other stuff, I think it is a, it's more accessible, but even at that the the vocals will turn off a lot of people. And if you're I mean if you're listening to us speak right now, that means you've heard some of the songs that we've put in this episode. So You might like it. If give you it love a shot. it, go listen to Jumps Viking. Jumps Viking. But our major music news, I kind of want to carry over from the movie okay. portion. Uh Jacob's Ladder was announced as a remake... Yes, I mean, you mean going back to movie news? Yeah, movie news. Yes, yes, okay. 
um, that the 1990 thriller uh, is going to be remade. It's been green-lighted. Uh, the director is uh, David M. Rosenthal with Michael Ely being attached to the project as Jacob. Yeah, um, yeah. Jacob's Ladder is, a, I mean, a really interesting movie, mm -hmm. a really psychological movie about this Vietnam vet, and he may or may not be having these weird flashbacks to it. You kind of see how it plays out. It's super nightmarish, and kind of how we talked about Mahala Drive. It's very fever dream esque. It's very uh, surreal in parts. Uh, it's very scary. It's, mm -hmm. it's. I mean, it's definitely a horror movie, and uh, nothing about this news excites me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, Michael Ely, uh, I, I don't know the guy very much, but the movie he was in, The Perfect Guy, was terrible. And the guy who directed that is directing this remake. I don't I don't see, what, like, of all the directors, why he would be their f the first choice. Maybe, and that just makes me think, like, this is going to be just a shove-out, get people in theater. Because how many people know what Jacob's Ladder is in the first yeah. place? I just don't see it having any relevance anymore. Well, for me, having seen it, I feel like all they're going to do is emphasize the like horror part of it mm -hmm. and and just amplify that they'll i think i really think that's what they're just gonna they'll probably doing. change it from vietnam to like the iraq war or afghanistan yeah. or something like that i would imagine but yeah i, I don't know i just can't even imagine what because it's such a strange jacob's ladder is such it's a not, strange it's a movie, movie to be remade no i really don't and it's, it's it's actually such a broad concept too if you've seen the movie and kind of knows what happens in it it's kind of a, it's really kind of a broad concept that you can do a lot with. So just straight up remaking it seems weird. When I think you could take a, you could re, you could rewrite the script for it, and change enough of it where, it's not a remake, but it's got a, it's got a similar concept. To me, the concept of Jacob's Ladder, which is this sort of dream, you know, laying in bed, you know, your life flashing before your eyes, all this kind of weird stuff going on. I mean, do you agree with me? Is that yeah? Well, no, it's because it's. I mean, it's partially fantasy based. Sure. Partially, it's very. But the thing is, it's based in reality. Right. Because he's like living in the city, which you know he was from, and you don't know is he actually living this life after the war, or is he, you know, what's going on? Because it's not linear. I mean, it will change yeah. settings. He'll be walking somewhere, and then all of a sudden, it's it's like a dream. Yeah. Like and then how the you... dance. There's a dance party. The party scene with the dance people dancing is horrifying, but it's. <laughs> It just seems like a broader concept that instead then of it, yeah. remaking it, it could be that same concept could be used for a different. Because Jacob's Ladder, in all honesty, has, is very poignant, and the way mm -hmm. it ends and the point it makes is actually very powerful. I think. Yeah. And uh, I I think that that sort of structure could make a point about something else. So the fact that they're they're writing this as a remake, I don't know. Yeah. I and I I too I heard it and I was like that's not really a film that can pull that off unless you're dealing with some really but then again we were just, we were talking about that with the big short with Adam McKay how how could this person ever produce such a film that... well but the difference between Adam McKay and this guy is I've liked Adam McKay movies in the yeah, past yeah that's true I okay and I shouldn't I, I although I saw the the perfect guy I didn't necessarily care for it but and you're, you're absolutely right I'm never going to go into a movie wishing hoping that it's bad and going haha see i told you mm -hmm. i hope this is great maybe it's amazing maybe it's uh it changes just enough that i mean that's what i hope but there's some red flags yeah waving in my brain waving in my brain and then yeah guns and roses back to 
Back to that, they allegedly are going to embark on a 21-city tour along with a uh, six-show reunion tour as well to start. Uh, the dates and venues are still yet to be determined, which says they're still in group therapy or whatever the hell they do. But um, Axl Rose was recently photographed at a rehearsal studio with ACDC practicing. I'd heard that he replaced their singer on some of their live performances recently mm-hmm. because he he had... Uh, what's the guy's name? Brian Jones? Yeah, Brian Jones. Is it Brian Jones? I think it is Brian Jones. Brian something. Because he had to stop touring because of his hearing... And apparently Axl Rose was replacing him. Cool. That's marketable. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on either of these groups. I don't think I would personally go to see him anymore. But, but yeah, they're going to tour. That's big news, though, man. When I mean, bands like ACDC and Guns N' Roses, at one point, they ruled the world. And in my opinion, I don't know. I can imagine the ticket prices are pretty steep for you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just being super negative tonight. Well, though, I, Cause I, just, I'm not I have a negative perception of this, too. Because I, I honestly, I'm a huge ACDC hang it up. fan. And I wanted to go see them in Chicago. And the cheapest ticket I could get was 240 bucks. And to it was see like these people who the haven't recorded back. anything in substantial ages. in ages. And I just, I, I get it. I think if you love these bands, this is going to be great for you. But for me, like I just feel the whole idea of is it better to burn out or to fade away and I think Guns N' Roses and ACDC are examples of bands that the longer they keep going the more they're hurting their legacy as yeah. a great group because Guns N' Roses and ACDC have released incredible music well and I talked to, with my dad actually recently about that because he said oh you, you know you should go see ACDC and I said you know the ticket price is outrageous you know I don't think that you're really getting the authentic article of what a concert should be and he's like what's that and you and I went to see Childish Gambino yes, in Milwaukee. Uh-huh. It was on my Facebook memories. That's the only reason I remembered it. Uh, okay. But that was like a shooting star that you were seeing at the exact moment they had peaked. Sure. That's yeah. gold. Absolutely. This is like trash gold. And, I'm, and, and I don't think either of us mean to say that they're, you know, as musicians or anything, their no, talents no, are no, diminished. Yeah. I just don't think, and, and I know especially ACDC has released new music. Yeah. And I have heard their newest albums, and while I don't think they're bad, there's just nothing to me striking about it. It's a lot of the same things over and over again. There's nothing particularly memorable about it. I just, you know, you got to make a living, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there would be more honest ways to to do it than releasing these I mean a 21 city tour that's a tiny tour the tickets for a Guns N' Roses concert if they're only doing 21 tick cities how much is that going to cost seriously it's not going to be worth it because Guns N' Roses have Axl Rose is known as being one of the biggest assholes in music history they never they show up hours late to their performance if they show up at all they play very briefly they play like crap and he can't sing anymore mm-hmm so, yeah, I wouldn't want to go see him because I have an image of what Guns N' Roses is and it's, I would be disappointed probably. Yeah. It's just another one of those. And we've been, we talked about that previously, that they were rumored to be touring and now it's a 21-city tour with no you know, venues, whatever. Yeah, I just think, yeah, and, you know, and, and I mean, if you love ACDC and Guns N' Roses, go for it because they could be amazing. I could be totally wrong. I just feel that, like you said, there, there is a time when these groups were at the top of their game, and now they're sort of just getting a bye by name recognition alone. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, it's kind of a bummer, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, got to make a living. But on to Obsessions, our weekly segment where we both obsess 
about something on a weekly basis? Ethan, what are you obsessed about? Well, I mean, I was talking about this before we started recording. I'm still sniffing the Star Wars glue. I'm still all about Star Wars. Ever since The Force Awakens came out, I've been, you know, rewatching all six of the original movies, anticipating next week uh, the, uh, the Force Awakens comes out on Blu-ray. Um, I've just been, you know, reading a lot, listening to podcasts when I'm at work, people talking about the old movies and, you know, theories about what's going to happen next and analyzing the movies we already have. And it's just stuff I'm really interested in. And I'd mentioned too that, uh, I'm kind of getting into this whole despecialized version thing where, uh, if people know George Lucas and Star Wars, they, they know that when he, he's never released the theatrical cuts of the original three films, on DVD or Blu-ray, um, he always added a lot of CGI and all these special effects and stuff. And for some reason, he's kept the original versions from the public. Um, and a lot of people kind of are against that, myself included. And there's a whole underground movement on the internet uh, where people are quote unquote despecializing them. They're removing all of those added sequences, special effects and restoring as closely as they can the original unaltered Star Wars trilogy. I've been getting into those, uh, been enjoying that as well, and I think it's it's super cool, and it just shows you how, I mean, it, how it just sort of elevates this whole Star Wars thing, where it's not just movies people go see. I mean, people are spending years on these projects, putting these things together, because that's how important it is to people. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes, and that's... It's not just the entertainment value of, of, of Star Wars that's attracting me to it. It's just how it's a it's a whole counterculture of people who are like really into it and it brings people together in that way. And I think that's kind of inspiring. That is. And you you've told me to about some of the more peripheral people in the Star Wars projects that are doing these really minor things but and and just when we were upstairs today you were talking about mm-hmm. some guy who had been de-specialized it's just it's amazing it's amazing that people see these special editions and think like well what the hell like why is all that stuff in there and and there are people who like the changes he's made and that's perfectly fine Mm -hmm. if you love it great I mean that's easier because you can just go and buy the movies but uh I think that uh as a piece of film history Star Wars is an important thing and the fact that we have never been given the theatrical cuts intact officially it's just kind of a shame. It, can't, yeah. it doesn't paint George Lucas in the greatest of light. And I want to give him credit because he's the one who invented all this to begin with. So you always got to give it to him. But the fact that people have to do this at all, eh. Yeah. <laughs> kind Sucks. of a bummer. Yeah. But that's what I've been, I've been thinking about and working on and it's exciting. Uh, and it's just something that's been, I've been, it's been on my brain. How are you? Well, Ben, pre-researching The Sons of Anarchy... Oh. Because that's my next film. Like reading spoilers? What are you doing? No, not reading. It has to be non-spoiler based. I just need to know like the bare basics of it. Just so I can start off and... A biker and, gang, California. Rip and run. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And I was like, this is just recently. And then today I put in my, my schedule, the Euro 2016 schedule for soccer. Because okay. the European Championships come up this summer. So I just put those in my calendar. Okay, one thing I've been meaning to ask you. Like yes. Talking about soccer. World Cup? Yes. Is that every year? Four years. Four years. So it's like the Olympics. It's up in 20... Well, this year's the Summer Olympics, so it's 2016. So it coincides the, with the Winter Olympics? Yes. So oh, okay. 2018 is the next World Cup. 
Okay. I'm gonna go into like a Guinness coma <laughs> the next time that because I, I that's like do a, they is that the kind of deal where they like where do they play it in certain places every year? Yeah, then? it's a country bit. So where next is it? Year's Brazil. Oh, that's like a big one too. Yeah. I've seen. I I know very little. No, Russia. Sorry, Russia's the next one. My bad. Oh. Brazil was the last one. The, That's when they got their asses kicked by Germany, yeah. right? But, you know, I'm a fan of some sports teams, right? Think if the Packers lost I was going to say, because I've, see, like, I've seen my favorite teams get their asses pounded before, yeah. and it's the worst. Sucks. I empathize with that. Unless you're a Vikings fan, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Das Boot! I'm kidding. <laughs> that's what we say to you. No, but yeah, that's what I've been obsessed about. That's cool. Yeah. So do you have like notifications that pop up on your phone, like soccer Ooh, game yeah. today, or what do you call it, football or soccer? Football, no, I I call it whatever soccer. If if I'm talking to someone from Europe, you want to look official. Or... I'll say football. I know the difference. It so makes more sense that they call that game football than because they actually football. are using their foot. While football in America is like a lot of throwing and catching, which yeah. doesn't make sense. They kick the ball occasionally, but yeah, they should change it. They should change football. Like American football. What should they change it to? Hand toss. Hand. Throwing ball. Well, because but there's a kicker that kicks the ball. Yeah, but... Mm, Very minimally. Yeah. Arm ball. Contact sport. <laughs> That's too broad. <laughs> no, but it's... I know I know the difference, but yeah. But if you're an American, it's okay to call it soccer. You say that with such disappointment. It's okay, I'm going to call it soccer. We have the, I don't even know what it's called. American, I don't know what the soccer U.S. League? called. Soccer Football League? We can't call it the AFA because there's the Argentinian, Argentinian Football Association. Nobody cares except for you, though. That's the weird thing. There's hey, a lot of people. I, no, I know, I know. I was just saying that to bust your balls. But I was at the gym the other day and some dude was watching soccer. Yeah, I was, that's I was, crazy. I was like, wow. I first picked up soccer way back when Claudio Reyna, after the 2004 World Cup, got signed to Manchester City. And it was in 2004. And no I was idea like, what you're talking about. This is, but the thing is, is like, if you think about that, so we were talking about earlier about 2002 is so long ago. Yeah. 2004, like, you couldn't even watch games on TV. You couldn't, you had to like go onto your... Well, this is an iPad. We didn't have iPads back then. Maybe we did. But we, <laughs> no, you didn't in 2004. But no, there's no way to watch games. There's no way to consume on the TV. Yeah, and and, and now you can. The on only soccer every game, single Saturday you can watch any Premier League game you want. The only soccer game I remember watching, when I was a young man, was when the ladies won and the one girl took her shirt off when they won in the end. Yeah. What was that? That was Brandy Chastain. I think it was the U.S. versus. That stuck in my brain for some reason. I wonder why. <laughs> well, yeah, when was that? Because I was, I was a young. A long time ago. 94? Yeah, I was going to say, I was like super young when that happened. Yeah. Kids these days and their, and their, and their hand contact ball. Yeah. <laughs> but that was when I started it. So now it's crazy to see the progression of that. Yeah, well, that's cool that, I guess... Yeah, you're into it. I, yeah. I just don't... I've never been able to get into it. I, I I could never run around that long. I don't understand it. I don't know the mileage. They run around a lot, though. Oh, they have to. Those games go on for like 17 hours. Like miles and miles and miles. But anyhow, Weekly Neurosis has been the conflict episode. It's been a good one. It's been a good one. We had a lot... I feel like we could have talked about Batman v Superman for like another for hour. For a long time. 
We'll watch it again. We'll figure it out. Next time I see it, I'll be like, it's the best movie ever. I don't know how. 9.0. You go back and you'll steal the audio file and edit it out. No, I won't do that. Let this be a a historical record that I did not love it, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. And next time we you hear us, we may sound slightly different. Uh, yeah. A little sneak, little sneak preview. All right, weekly neurosis. I'm Nate, and I'm Ethan. Please, everyone, take care.